right, welcome to episode number two to No Red Cards podcast. My name is Roger Sosa. You got my man, Manny B over there. And man, Manny, boy, I'm excited for this one right here, dude. <laughs> episode number two, I think where we had a really good time with our first episode with Kevin Salazar. Yes, sir. We learned a lot about the Texans. I had a lot of calls. A lot of people saying that they really didn't understand the pathway of the Texans. It was really glad to have him on. But right. this week, man, lots going on in the youth soccer community, man. Bro, it, there, so well, when isn't there anything going on in north texas soccer bro i mean it's it's like but this this season right now going into the 23 24 season it's like crazy it's like bananas bro so you know our our next guest you know for episode number two man i'm I'm very excited because i've been chasing this dude bro ever since the news broke out of these transitions and the coaches so many coaches leaving this particular club so I was chasing him, chasing. I've been cool with him for a very long time, man. Which was one of the things that that ever since you know you have kids that are youth soccer, you know the community. It's like it's like damn, every year there's coaches leaving somewhere. It's like what does it do? Is that you know is that a club issue? Is that a coach issue? But but uh, we'll, we'll get to the oh yeah, man. Day, you, know? you know, but I, it's like I, I was just calling him, calling him, chasing him down, man. I said, come on, man, give me the exclusive, bro. I gotta get, I gotta get the cheese, man. I gotta get the gossip, bro. I have to. So this dude, man, I I have known before I formally introduced him, man. I met him back, you know, at ESPN, you know, doing a tournament, Copa ESPN. And uh, for, I for a lot of you guys who don't know, the, you know Roger Sosa has been doing, well, first of all, Roger and I, we've known each other for shit, what, decade? Yes. 20, more than 20 years through radio. Uh, but man, he's been doing, uh, uh, grassroots tournaments since over 15, 18 yeah, years now yeah. from ESPN to Univision to all kinds yes, of things. Yes. Yes, and, man. So it, it's, you know, and I've had the privilege and honor to meet some of these coaches, man. Um, because I've gotten to know them on, from another side outside of the pitch, right? Like I've become friends with them. Uh, like I can actually have a beer with these guys and just talk and just talk some BS. Right. But this particular guy, man, he, uh, back at the ESPN, Copa ESPN days, man, he came up to me, uh, pretty much, it was already, I already had the brackets closed, and he goes, man, I have these boys, yeah, they're not old enough to play in this bracket, but I really want to get them to play, man, I, they're really good, I need to get them in there, you know, there were 2005s, 2005s, and these kids, man, when I saw them, like, their jerseys didn't even fit them. Their shorts didn't even fit them. I mean, these were little meaty kids, like wearing, I swear, adult size type t-shirts, right? That was the bizarre special number one, uh, bro. Right there. Uh, whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever you call it, man. But man, this, 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 I hold this dude, you know, close to me and this particular team, man, because it's he started this team literally from his backyard. Literally from his backyard. You know, I mean, he has he has twins, you know, his twin girl. Boy and girl, she happens to be playing for the Mexico national team. Awesome. You know, so when he brought these kids, man, and if you guys don't know who I'm talking about, I'll start off with this. They used to be called kicks, you know, and they played in the tournament. They played in the tournament. And then years later, I get a text, you know, and I can't, I stay in contact with this guy. I get a text from him. Check it out, Roger. Those 2005s. They won Dallas Cup. Those same kids that he took to me from his backyard when they were seven years old, years later, he sends me a text. These same kids that you accepted that one time into your tournament just won Dallas Cup. They haven't won it once, but twice, 
and they recently went to the semifinals, which is amazing, right? These are the heartfelt stories. That's why I do this. That's why I love doing this, not just hearing stories like that from literally your neighborhood. You hear of businesses starting in your garage, you know, and they become million dollar business, right? But kids from the neighborhood, you know, from Oak Cliff, this guy putting so much time into these kids. And now this dude is like the president, like president, like he earned his stripes, president of one of the biggest clubs, not just here in North Texas, but in the nation, you know, none other than I had to basically beg this dude to give me the interview <laughs> on what's going on with his freaking coaches and why so many coaches are leaving his club. And he, and I said, come on, give me the exclusive. And here he is, none other than Mr. Juan Martinez, the president of DKSC himself. All right, man. I mean, before we get Juan, into Juan. it, before we get into the whole thing, one, again, I appreciate you accepting the invitation, man. I appreciate you coming in here and accepting to clear the air um, of what is going on because you're the talk of North Texas soccer right now, bro. And you know North Texas soccer. Oh, they love to talk. They love to assume, you know, starting from the parents to the managers to the coaches, you know, and it sucks because this is youth soccer and the kids don't even get into this. But the parents, coaches, managers make it about them and they forget why we do this. And it's about the kids, right? So, again, thank you for coming and accepting the invitation, man. And I had to make that introduction, man, because that, that's how I met you. And it's just been so awesome seeing you progress, seeing where those kids are, what they have accomplished. And it, it, to me, I just love the success of those stories. And, you know, I mean, go ahead, man. Go, add on to what you need to add on, bro. <laughs> man, well, I appreciate that, Roger. Uh, you touched on something that every year, every year around this time, something's happening. I've gotten hundreds of calls and every call starts with it's that time of the year. It's that time of the year. Uh, we've been fortunate not to experience this in the past. Um this year we're exper experiencing, but every club has gone through it. I remember uh, a few years back, BBB, I think lost three times the coaches that we we've lost so far. Um, FC Dallas has lost a lot of coaches. Sting has lost. Every club goes through it. Why? Hate to say this in kids sports, but this is a business. This is a business. Um, I related to like Bill Walsh for those old timers, 49er coach, Bill Belichick. When you have talented assistant coaches, other clubs are going to want to, to go after those coaches. The coaches that have left now, they've all got promoted. They had to do what they thought was best for themselves, for their teams, for their uh, families, for their future. And no disrespect to anybody. It is that business. Uh, but so far, we've lost five coaches. I don't think there's any other coach. We already have our slate for the upcoming year, ECNL, RL, RLNTX, and we'll be releasing that. Uh, our, our staff meetings are very energetic. They're very uh, teamwork. And, and to me, it's not a rebuilding. People call us, and, and you said the rumor mills. This is North Texas. For people that don't understand the North Texas environment, uh, that don't understand my, my, my wife's family, my friends. They're like, you're always busy. You're always traveling. You're always on the phone. You're always nonstop 24 seven. You have issues, put out fires. And I tell them, 
you know, running a club in North Texas, North Texas is a hotbed of soccer in the United States, but running a club in North Texas, it's like living in a jungle, swimming in a swamp, swimming with sharks surrounded by snakes. You just have to navigate all that. So for me, for us to lose five coaches, the, the club smelled blood. They went after every coach. Every coach was telling me, they're offering me this. They're offering me that. Majority of them said, I don't want to make a lateral move. If, I, if it's going to benefit me now in long term, I'll consider it. But they didn't want to make that. And plus, they know loyalty is, is, is one of the things that I get, uh, I guess, told all the time that you're loyal to a fault. Like you're loyal. That's your weakness. You're too loyal. And I'm like, if that's my weakness, I think that's my strength because that works both ways. And starting from backyard, like you mentioned with those 2005, it's not a coincidence. You know, it's a lot of work. Um, but to, that's pretty much in simple terms. It's the business because we're restructuring um, to hopefully uh, prevent this from happening because it does Im- impact the kids. You know, they're chasing playoffs. Uh, this last year, we had all six ECNL girl teams make the playoffs. This year, we should have five. And so we're having a restructure to say that's the main goal. We're, we're trying to chase national championships, and we have to uh, move through this. And the kids are experiencing some adversity that I think will prepare them for uh, the journey as they get a little bit older. But that's in simple terms. It's the business of North Texas. Yeah, you mentioned there it's a business. And I guess a coach looks at it like, man, I'm going to go make some more money mm-hmm. over here or something like that. And why do you think coaches' brains process that way? Like, well, I'm going to go over here. What are they getting there that they're not getting from from a certain club? Like DKC, for mm-hmm. instance, you know, you had some coaches that left. You're not providing them a certain tool? Is, is you know, these other clubs offering more? No, I think uh, the reason I merged with the feeders from starting my backyard and creating my club is because we needed a platform. In the old days, um, you go qualify for Classic League, Boys Classic League, Girls Classic League. It could have been anywhere. It doesn't, you could wear those bizarre uniforms. Uh, Your fees could have been everybody qualified, 80, 90, 100 teams. They were all qualifying for Division One, So not everybody could get in. There was no buys. You had to earn your way. The teams that qualify for Division One, then the next Division Two, and then Division Three. There's no platforms. The clubs might have had two or three teams in Division One. Um, the buy usually belonged to the club. They had rules that for you to switch the buy it, during the year, you needed 100% signatures. So it's hard. One person could have stopped that. So if if a coach was trying to take a buy to another team in the middle of the year, the club will fire them, put another coach in that spot and then that coach is out of job. So you didn't see very seldom you saw a hundred percent control of a team after the season was over, you needed 75% to transfer the buy. So if, a, if a club had 16 players, they will add a couple of players. So you wouldn't get that 75%. So the buys were what was what were coaches chased. Oh, you have a division one, you need a coach. So, there's this experienced coach. He has this license. He's dealt with, with that level. We're going to pay him this. So there's just, it, there's just X amount of buys that went around. 
as you uh, as the sport started growing, uh, ECNL came in. ECNL is a national platform, is the highest level t- t- today. So you had to have those coaches across. Here currently, we have six six teams, six clubs that 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 play in ECNL. The federation back in two thousand eight created DA. Once they created DA, we merged because. I wasn't going to give our players a platform to compete at the highest level. And I would hold them back. And for me, it's always been my why. Impact them, change the trajectory of their life. Um, so now you have a lot of leagues. The parent that doesn't know comes in. Oh, I heard ECNL is the elite. But there's ECNL. There's ECNL Regional League. There's ECNL Regional League North Texas. So when you are competing at ECNL, all eyes are on you. And if if all of a sudden it becomes a bidding war, our our demographics is very diverse. We have a lot of kids that come from inner city. So we try to be competitive with our dues. We're not, it's not free, but um, I believe we're probably about 75% lower than most clubs. So all our resources, 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 we try to put it back into the kids to win national championships. Like Bad Top, you with our strength and conditioning um, programs, we hiring trainers to in-house training for our players. So I think it becomes, I don't think it's not that they weren't getting what, what uh, we could provide because we have all the platforms. I think it becomes a bidding war. And some of these salaries, we can't double, you know? So again, you're, you're talking about a lot of money and, and, and I could tell you this, not one single coach wanted to leave because we had a culture that was, was, uh, strong, but in business, sometimes people disagree on who should be coaching here, who should be coaching there. And I told all the coaches, that's my decision. I'm going to have final say. I'm not going to allow any coach to say, put this coach here unless I feel they're, they're about the why, serving kids. They're a team player. Um, and in those decisions, you know, there's, there's might be some disagreement. Like any, any team, it might be some conflict. And every coach got a promotion. All right. So we'll stay with that. Talk to me like I'm three years old of what you just said. Are you saying that these five plus coaches that left didn't want to leave? Yes. Okay. So, but they left. Correct. So by you making that decision of not what I heard, heard you say, not promoting them or not placing them where they wanted to be. So it was a shot at their ego pride or, or was it at the end of the day that they did take more because it was the money they had an offer over here. I mean, I, I, know, I just want to get this. I, I think all five of them might have different reasons. Uh, for me, I'm looking at the whole collective team. And we have some very, very talented coaches that are coaching in academy, that are coaching in uh, the platform, the second platform or the third platform that have been building this club. And they're like, what, is, what do I need to get to that level? And one of the things I tell the coaches, okay, you could have a, a team of of uh, eighteen players, and and a parent comes up to you and says, 
how can my, my daughter or son make the starting lineup? You could tell them improve technically, both feet. You could tell them mentally. You could tell them strength and conditioning. You could tell them all these things, and they could do it nonstop and still not be good enough to make that starting lineup. So I told my coaches that is like, you could have a license. You could have um, uh, trust. You could have hard work, but timing, you know, it becomes you're here and it becomes when the opportunity comes, you know, everybody wants that corner office. But if you give that corner office to somebody that not, might not be ready, they, they'll blow it up. Plus, you might upset the people that are building it and you become like you're selling teamwork, teamwork. The hardest thing to do is work as a team. And so they weren't going to get those positions at this club. Okay. They all gave me what they wanted because I always tell every coach, what do you want? Like, I want to know because I always tell the coaches, we're operating. Uh, I'm a Christian. I said, we're operating like the body of Christ. We're operate, operating like a vehicle. Some are the steering wheel, some are the wheel, some are the motor. And it becomes, if you're good with the academy, stay with the academy. He goes, we have some really, really good teams. John Esquivel's teams, uh, Ace team, Oscar Reyes teams. They're great at what they do. And I have to basically hear them out and say, are you wanting to go play in those leagues? What is going to require your XYZ licensing? Eating, it's more mentoring the other age groups because you got to work with the second tier, the third tier. He goes, but if you're in academy and that's your gift, what could I do to keep you there? And those coaches are constantly, constantly will double your salary. Your coach is not paying you. Most of these coaches, I did it eight years for free. I did it for my daughter, my niece, then my son and my other daughter. Most of these coaches did it for their kids. Their why aligns. Now they're getting paid and we're paying coaches market value. I always tell the coaches, you want us to pay you more? It's not me paying you more, it's your parents. So if you rate, if we raise the fees to pay you more, you're going to say, I just lost these three kids because they can't afford it. But the coaches that understand, they're like, look who called me, look who called me. And every coach is like, look what they're offering me. They basically say, well, I'm not going to take it. If it could be for a year, two years, three years, I have a future here. How do you, um, you know, for a coach, it's mm-hmm. obvious at some point they're going to go move on. They're going to make a little bit more money. Correct. It, it happens. But how does DKSC and you guys address when that happens to the parents? Right. You know, to those, that kid that's been developed by this coach, the team that they formed together, the bond that that entire 11v11 squad has together, 7v7, whatever yeah. it is. What is addressed to the parents at that point? You know, at that point, we have meetings with them and 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 let them know that, you know, we give them space, especially if a coach has been there uh, for a long time build. We can't meet with them right away. So we meet with them and we're like, OK, we didn't fire. We didn't fire any coach. These are decisions that they made that they thought was best for their their families. So we tell them we could talk about. Hey, what went wrong or what happened, but we can move forward and set a plan and always say, serve the kids. Those, those um, teams that are in the playoffs, 
we're already talking to them. This is our plan, how to prepare for playoffs, how to give them the best opportunities to win a national championship. Uh, it stinks. One of the things, like I said, this is a business. Uh, several clubs have contracts with coaches to prevent this from happening during the season with their kids. I never operated like that. It was a handshake. It was that trust. I never had to do it. I've been doing this in 2005, and this is the first time that's happened. So now that I understand that it's coaches, it's not that I don't trust you and I think you're going to leave. It's we're serving kids. For me, um, when I was a coach with the old ones and the old fives, I used to tell my, my, my parents, it's a one year commitment. Are you signing a year commitment? I had three rules that I told my old ones, my old fives, my coaches, everybody that I live by that I instill in my kids to be successful in their sports or in their careers. Three rules always count on change. You might be starting and now you're on the bench. Count on it. You might be switched position. Count on it. You might get a new coach. Count on it. Count on it. Said embrace the grind. There's no secret to get to where you want to be. You have to work hard. You have to have a work ethic that is going to be like, like I wanted more. And then the third is trust the process. Don't complain. Don't, don't whine about it. Do something about it. You're not getting, you think you're, you're deserving those three rules. So the funny thing is that I meet with the coaches and, and, uh, the coaches that have been here long. Everybody has this perception that, that the new coaches feel that I just cater to the OGs, to the old coaches. Oh, they're the ones that are getting this, this. The OGs, they're like, man, only if they knew. We walk in meetings now and say, JM is not giving you nothing. Because I teach my kids, you earn it. You earn it. But, but I feel I have those relationships. I go to the coaches' conventions with the coaches. I'm coming back to coaching because I look at it as like coaches. You don't understand. Everybody talks to everybody. So if I'm hearing this, that you're talking back to the girls, you're mentally like almost verbally abusing them. You're canceling practice left and right. How am I going to entrust you? And I'm very, very straightforward. So when coaches start like, man, he's always picking on me. It's like, it's not picking on you. I'm like trying to make you better. He goes, and that's when things as a coach of players that are very successful today, I had to tell them, Jada Thomas, that's at University of Tennessee. She's going to probably end up graduating, being the all-time leading goal scorer. She had the worst attitude. Worst attitude, quit on her team. This attitude, I haven't never seen anybody get as close. I had a venture. I had to tell her no coach in their right mind would want to coach you. She's a former attitude. player of yours. She's a former okay. 2001. She, after like you 13, 14, she completely changed and she was one of the best leaders. So sometimes these coaches, they don't want to hear, oh, you're doing this. I have coaches like, like, why, why are you cussing down the sideline? Like, I want to, I want to raise my kids in the real world because they're hearing it. I say, yeah, but what about other kids that are paying you? They might not. You have to wear a lot of hats. You know, coaching is you got to wear the role model hat, even if you don't want it. You got to wear the, hey, we're a team. Like, it's a very difficult job. It's a calling. That's what I say. It's a calling. That's why I can't coach, man. Because I come, yeah. you, you just said it. 
I come from the OG way of coaching yeah. where the coach would get in your face yeah. when you'd make a mistake yeah. and he'd make you pay for it. Yeah. You know, that's that's how I grew up. That's why I can't coach. I mean, I I consider myself a leader. I'll lead. Yeah. But the way I was taught, my mentor, you know, how I was yeah. taught to lead. And that's why I can't because it's so many, you know, I have a problem with parents growing up their kids, raising their kids soft. Yeah. You know, don't yell at my kid. No, I don't yell at him, so don't yell at him. Yeah. That's just me because that's just the way I grew up, right? Yeah. You know, I mean, with adversity, right? We grew up with adversity. Here we are, you know, here you are, president of one of the biggest clubs, you know. You know, I, I like to consider myself a little bit successful of what I've done yeah. through the adversity that I've gone yeah. through, right? You know, and I'm sure Manny has as well. Yeah. But damn, man, it's like, you heard what you said, right? He's going back to coaching. What I heard him say is like, I'm an OG. Let me show y'all new generation how <laughs> us OGs do this coaching thing, you know? <laughs> But you talk about licensing. So it's like in school, right? They say you got to have that, that graduation. You got to have that, you know, that university diploma, whatever, to get a good job. Do you need that license? I mean, I know leagues require licenses, right? Mm -hmm. There's some leagues where you got to have it. But do you as a coach, in your experience... In order to be a coach, do you need that piece of paper? The MLS requires it. Um, there's ECNL. MLS for MLS next, right? Yes. Okay. There's ECNL uh, at the last symposium that they're going to start looking. But a license, I've had coaches that have the top license, A, and I couldn't hire them. You couldn't even pay me to hire them, even if it was free. So a license doesn't make the coach. This is one of the things I've been mentoring several coaches getting into coaching and I tell them why find your why why are you doing it? if you're doing it for the money go get the license and build your resume and do that but everybody has their why to me I always tell them and these parents don't care how much you know like that quote until they know how much you care right so it becomes as a four or five year old I've told the coaches in academy you want to coach ECNL that's the direction it's going I have to get your license, but just getting your license, that's just one of 20 things I might be looking at. So license does help. Like, like anytime you learn a different uh, thing, it it helps, but the licensing curriculum has changed so much that, that even what they're doing now, the game's constantly, constantly changing. So there's different ways to get that, but you don't need it now but it's going towards that because of the business. But, and I asked that because look what you did with those 2005 kids. Look at the accomplishments that they've gone through, you know, and I'm sure back then you didn't have the license, right? right? So you, so that my point is you, it's a calling. If you're, if you're meant to be a coach, I agree with you. You're meant to be a coach. You're there. That's why I, you know, I understand we all got to put food on the table, right? But again, why are you doing this for those kids, kids. right? For those kids. That's why we all do what we do for the kids. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I've seen it being involved with so much in soccer and talking to a lot of coaches and seeing a lot of coaches. I think a lot of coaches out there forget that, you know, they, they would rather, you know, and I'll say it because this is what the show's about. Yeah. They'd rather drive the fancy cars, yeah. have that luxury life. You know, now there's you know, coaches out there that do 
prove themselves, right? Yeah. And there's other coaches that don't. You know, they just want mom and dad to pay that fee, like you said. Boom, I'm getting paid. And it's not right. Because, you know, Kevin was here uh, on our show. And he's like, man, he goes, I go pick up kids all the way in Fort Worth. They asked me. It's just, I go pick them up. I'm not going to stop that kid from, if I know he's a baller, I'm not going to stop that kid from not developing, from me having an opportunity to develop that kid. So if I got to go pick him up, I'm going to go pick him up and he's going to be part of my team. Mm -hmm. That's going to go a long way for him. And that's one thing that he pointed out to us, man, it's about the kids, man. He goes, I, I, to me, at the end of the day, it's about the kids, whether I'm showboating, whether I'm whatever he does, you know, we all know how Kevin is, right? But that's why I asked that question, man. And that's why you seeing your resume of how I saw you literally start and now where you're at, man, you know, it's kind of like huge because you started with kicks, you merged your kicks, you grew that, yeah. and then you merged with defeaters. And now you guys are DK to C and you guys are, you know, yeah, independent, but not independent because you guys are balling with the biggest clubs out there, right? And that's a lot to say uh, here in North Texas because there's so much talent here in North Texas alone. You know, I've, like yourself, I've gone to California, I've traveled and seen some of these teams. And when I talk to some of these teams, just because they're from California, from Florida, oh yeah, we got this. I said, man, don't sleep on these North Texas teams. Do not sleep on these kids. We've got some ballers out there, you know? And now you see a lot more of these states coming here to Dallas to play against the DKSCs, the Texans, the thing. Not just any DKSC. You mentioned some of your top, bad top teams. Yeah. That's who they want to play. They want to play yeah. the Salazars. They want to play the Suarez's. They want to play the McKinney's. They want to play, you know, all those teams. Yeah. And those are the teams that I grab, that I call you. I've called you for, hey, Juan, yeah. I need these teams because I need to go. I'm traveling to this state. Yeah. I need to dangle you guys to entice these guys, yeah. you know, to come play that there's going to be competition there because one way or another, you guys have ran each other in another tournament, right? So I've got to do that, you know? And that's why it's kind of like me hearing you talk of who you are as a person, as a president, because right now as a president, you talk about wearing hats. Dude, as a president, I can just imagine. And what you said about everybody wants that corner office. I don't want that damn corner office, bro. Because the responsibilities, everybody thinks the grass is always greener if you get that big corner office. Hell to the no, it's not. Because I've been in that office. Hell no. And I got out of that office yeah. and that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, be my own boss, right? Yeah. Because being in that corner office, you got to deal with a lot of egos, a lot of attitudes, a lot of pride. And here you are yeah. now. Here, what, what, that's why we're talking yeah. about this, right? Yeah. Because you have, how many is it? Six coaches that left? I think six. Six. And not just any coaches. These are some, some of your top dudes, that you had in your system, mainly on the girl side. Yes, it's it's all girls. It's all girls, it's right? All girls, our boys, they're stable. Right, so. but again, it's, you say, you mention of, you know, the pride and the ego, you know, and I've seen, you know, some of these coaches that have left, that left the system. I see their posts and I, and yeah. I, and, and I'm reading their posts on why they're saying it and why yeah. they left. Yeah. I mean, man, you, you see, once you see the post, it's like, yeah. come on. And that's when I started chasing you. I'm like, okay, I got to get the truth here because yeah. it's like sometimes there's a saying, right? You can't bullshit a bullshitter. Yeah. And seeing some of these coaches posts after they left and they announced their new team, I'm like, hold up. 
that's I gotta find out for Juan. You know what happened, and all of North Texas wants to know. But man, well, I, to tell you the truth, on the post, I haven't seen one single post. Man, I, have. I haven't read one single post uh, in the past two weeks. Is just focus on on us, right? On restructuring. So meeting with parents, uh, meeting with coaches, um, jumping back into coaching. So I always. I always say it's like, like you said, that corner office, you think you want it. You have no idea. You have no idea because what's on my plate now is I got to be proactive. So I saw this was being played out. I knew I was ahead of the curve. So I was talking to the coaches. I'm already having plan B, plan C, plan D, plan E. And I had already said, I'm jumping back into coaching. That was no secret is because uh, these some of these teams started from kicks from when they were three, four years old. And I was like, how could we let that team, you know, yeah, if one, two, three players want to go. Um, some teams have been with the coach longer, so they're still with the club right now. Come May 15, you're going to see where everybody scatters, and it's going to be go find your seat. The people that wait, roster is going to be set because – there's players, coaches calling me. People don't understand. Is like, as these coaches were leaving, I probably had double the amount of coaches calling to come into the club. And the whole entire time was like, I got to restructure this so it doesn't continue happening. I want more money. I want more. Because the, the parent player is going to be the ultimate person that pays it. Fees are going to go up to the 4000 5000 because everybody's like, I want to be on the winning team. I want to be on this. So to me, I look at it as like, like it's a poker game. So you got to be like, how do you play this? How do you play that? Um, and so I haven't been, I haven't seen one post, not one, because too, too busy uh, coaching and doing all this that, that I've heard about them. I've heard about the post. I've heard what they've been saying, but it's it's one of those things that if I can't control, I'm not going to worry about it. What is vision now for DKC since you've kind of experienced some some movement within the club with coaches? What is it you guys refocus? What's the revision now for for the future and to prevent these kind of things so, and making sure coaches are happy? So, I mean, to me, I look at it as like like all the coaches that left, they were happy. They didn't want to leave. They got promotions. Um, coaches wanted to have a more say, more power, more control. You know, who who works under them? And so to, I, to me, I kind of look at it as like, I can't make everybody happy. If you try to make five, six coaches happy, you lose the entire club. So I look at it as like, I think my mission and vision from kicks in 2005 it's still the same today, and it's still the same thing tomorrow. So I don't want it to be like five, six coaches, so I have to rechange what we're doing. I feel like I got to ante up and stick to what we're doing because it's gotten us here. So treat people like you want to be treated. Treat them fairly. Value them. Yes, I'm human. So I had a conversation on the way up here, and one of the coaches said to me, he said, um, some of our coaches are like, yeah, Juan doesn't call me. Juan doesn't call me. They're like, do you think at your company, the boss is going to call everybody? No, you call them because he, every person that calls me, I listen to them. 
I build relation. So to me, it's, it's, I go to the coaches convention, every coach in a the club, they're like, they just don't know. They don't have that relationship at other clubs because I feel like I am a coach. You know, they still call me coach Juan. So they even say, I don't, I don't view you as like the, the president. I view you as man, you're my leader. And so I don't, our vision our mission has always been from day one in 2005, starting in my backyard, was make make a difference, impact young lives. That's why I got into coaching. I didn't trust any coaches. I grew up playing classic league. I grew up as as my oldest was was growing up. The coaches, the coaches that were were coaching in North Texas, I was hearing all the cutthroat. <clears throat> I was hearing how cutthroat it was. So I was like, okay, I better get up off the couch and start coaching my daughter because I want to build character. I want to build life lessons. And uh, so that why still is today make a difference. You know, our vision is to build a different type of player. I remember when I started coaching my once in the backyard, I told my wife, I want to do something special. I want to do something that nobody's done before. And everybody, including my best friend, Michael Bones, he was coaching at Texans. He goes, hey, you're not going to be able to do it. Times have changed. From when we play with the independent teams, you're not going to be able to do it. And I was like, why not? They put on their shorts the same way, even though they're from Bazaar. I was like, why not? Right. So as, as I was going through it, I remember at 8, 9, 10, they were offering me all kinds of money to join the club. I was like, why am I going to turn it over? You're going to pay me. The club is. But really, you're not paying me. You're going to charge all these kids to the clubs and the club pays me. If I want to make, if it's about money, I just charge them. So eight years, I did it for free there. And again, it's, 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 I've learned a lot through this whole business. It is a business. So my mission, don't change it. We want to build a different type of player on the field and off the field. That's our vision. It's always been, and we don't want to change that. That's right. You're checking out the No Red Cards podcast right here with Mr. President of DKSC, Juan Martinez himself. Make sure you follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, at No Red Cards. And you can also check us out on YouTube at No Red Cards Podcast. You know, Manny, uh, hearing him talk, I do have to give him a lot of credit, man, because that's why, you know, with uh, with the tournament next gen, uh, as I grew from year one, year two, uh, the type of guy that Juan is, is... Uh, I've called him and he, he can sit here and tell you, like, hey, man, I need some teams. You know, can you help me? And he'll tell me, he's like, man, they're not ready, but I got you. They're not ready to compete at that level, but they put him in. And he puts, as soon as he puts out that text message, I have his coaches calling me. Hey, blah, blah, blah. So the unity it shows that is there with them is, is in fact there. That's why I called him and chased him. I'm like, man, it doesn't sound the Juan that I know, why so many coaches are leaving this club, right? Because of the of how I've gotten to know him. I'm like, this is a guy that I've called that, hey, man, I need some teams. You know, can you provide some teams? You know, because sometimes you need to fill some brackets out. And he shoots that text message. You know, there's other coaches. Yeah, okay, I got you. Don't hear anything. Or directors, don't hear anything. This dude right here, always solid, always comes through. And I know it because his coaches call me. Hey, man, we got a text, you know, from Juan. You're looking for teams, blah, blah, blah. So just shows what kind of dude 
he is and hearing him talk, it's like, all right, cool. You know, a lot of stuff makes sense. So that's why I told you, like, man, we got to get this dude in here. To me, I think that's the biggest thing is you're here to serve others. You know, you're here to serve others. And and uh, the same thing that when I started in the backyard saying I want to do something special. Now I tell my wife, I said, I don't want to look back 10 years from now and say, I could have done this. I could have done that. I was like, the impact that people say I've had on other people. And there are constantly text messages from former players, uh, parents. Um, you know, I need a plumber. I need something. You know, we got you, coach. And they don't even charge me. I was zell them. They send it back. They're like, man, you got my kid a full scholarship here, 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 here. I can't even ask them anymore because I feel like, man, they're not going to charge me. So I just go somewhere else. But I always say is, is you can't out give, you know, you bless others. It's going to come hundred times back. Absolutely. And that's right there. When Roger says, Hey, you know, I need some teams. I remember he gave me that shot with those boys because the parents here in North Texas, they want to play. I think social media has created that. If you're left out, you might lose your kid. And I'm like, you're basing it off one tournament changing the culture your environment mm-hmm. and ask them out man these these kids are ballers and texans fc dallas is inviting one kid another kid and then before you know it the parent they might they're going to educate them hey kicks they have zero players that have made it to college or because we're brand new we're an independent team now we have some players now we have some skins on the wall so now we're in the in the game, and I, I like to say we're different, yeah. and that's serving. That's my I serve my coaches, and I look at it and say serve each other. What is the uh, from your experience? What's the incentive of mm-hmm. the bigger clubs, the FC Dallas, the uh, Stings, yeah. the Texas? What is the incentive for them to pay more to four or five coaches to come to them? Right, they're obviously paying more money. Mm-hmm. The incentive that at the end of the day, at the end of the day, what is that incentive for them? You know, uh, the number one thing that parents, uh, players follow is the coach, not the club, you know, not the club. So if a coach moves over there, feels like he could attract the players and other players, it's more, more people paying, you know, for that product. You know, I, I, I say North Texas, you have a lot of the Gucci first parents. <laughs> what that means is they want to go to the parties and say, my coach is so-and-so. Who's your coach? I've never heard of him. And some of these parents are like, I'm putting this coach that has a C license that's coached 10 years, giving them the opportunity to maybe coach at a higher. They're like, no, this other coach. And I'm like, only if you knew the impact, the change, but it's the marketability, is the word of mouth. And you don't know the, the, the decisions are always driven by fear. So when Roger was asking me about coming on this show, our teams that we spoke to, oh, we get it. We're good. We're we're good. Like it, it's very, very. This culture is going to be stronger. This club's going to be stronger. They're all good, but they're getting the calls from the friends. I was going to go join DKC, but is Coach Bones leaving too? I heard he was leaving. I even heard people calling me and say, hey, man, congratulations. I heard you took a position with the Mexico national team because two weeks ago 
I was invited to Mexico national team with their coaches, with their directors. Four days I was in their facilities learning their methodology, their game model, their system of play. Why? Because I want to open more doors for more players. We have a lot of players that play on the national team. Um, I want them to be on, on U.S. team, U.S. They got to come after them because it's it's politics, too, and the size of U.S. is huge. But we have players from Colombia, Puerto Rico, because I want to change the trajectory. I'm not just for Mexico. I'm for the players that are here. For the parents out there that uh, just, you know, discovered the podcast or just discovered, you know, I've seen DKSC. What is some of the uh, – what are some of the uh, – vision that DKC looks at for these kids. Is there any funnel to any certain uh, clubs to bigger, you know, bigger clubs out there? Mm-hmm. What yes. relationship do you have? Pathways. With- pathways. Yeah, pathways. pathways. Yes. Uh, the game is growing so, so much. It's growing, especially the women's game. The The men's game has always been an international game, uh, but it's growing so much because now you're having second tier professional leagues here. And a lot of these uh, clubs are signing young players because, you know, they transfer them. There's big money in there. So uh, with the girls, now they're signing 15-year-olds. And it's big, big money. They're signing these. So we kind of look at it and say we have to build those relationships. So uh, the the Liga Mexico Tigres, Chivas, America, they're looking at us because of social media, parents – Okay, look at this club. Oh, they got a lot of Hispanics. But we're very diverse. If you look at our teams, that's why, like, our our colors are very diverse. Teal for practice, vote as a third kid, black and white, because we want to embrace diversity. But Pedro has connections in Spain. He takes several boys from uh, his Allegiance Academy um, to, to tryouts. And so we're opening doors because we know the future is for those kids that want to go pro, we're making those connections. So uh, it's really with with uh, the Mexico League and Spain, uh, the pro leagues and MLS. Um, a lot of the kids now aren't signing because once they sign, because, OK, am, am I going to make the first team or the second team? And they might control their destiny more if they wait to see how they develop. And then, like a business, if five people are bidding for you, you're going to say, okay, this one wants me more. So we are working constantly to open up uh, uh, those pathways. That's why I went with the Mexico national team, because it's all about networking. I meet the coach, the head coach, Pedro, is the women's. I was watching the game with them, uh, the America game and Jamaica. Uh, he invited me, and so he was the U-20 Spain uh uh, World Cup head coach champion. So it's networking there. It's networking here. He might be a coach somewhere else and it opens pathways to serve the kids. So we definitely, I don't think there's a club that works harder to serve those kids. I really don't. Is it because, because I'll give you an example when I got into coaching with my ones, the parents would say, coach, I'm hearing that if I play with you, Power five division one schools aren't going to want me. It's that fear. You're going to get left behind. Now it's like, you're 11 years old. If that's the truth, you could find out when you're 14, 15. See, okay, that makes sense. 
So as we got to 14, we had the line all lined up. Because we were wearing the Brazil uniforms. We we're the only kind of minority team. So all these college coaches were like, let me see if they could ball. They're wearing the Brazil uniform. All the college coaches emailing, oh, my God, these are ballers. And then they started inviting us to uh, Kentucky, West Virginia. And back then, the college recruiting started early. So they were staying with the team, going to the football games. And I said, hey, parents, I thought y'all weren't going to be wanted. So during that time, it was kind of like always, why do you trust them so much? Like, why? He goes, character. You know, what he tells us is what's going to happen. And parents sometimes will look, he said this, but he changed it. I said, no, let me stop you there. I won't make a promise at all. I tell them, this is where I see your daughter. She could start, but she's going to have to work, work, work. Don't twist the words, but that's where I feel like our club is really, really different. Well, we're not going to lie. We're going to be biased, right? You know, DFW, North Texas does produce the best soccer players, but from your experience... Where are you seeing the most competitive soccer being played? East Coast, West Coast, North, South? Where, where is it? Like, I need, a, I need to funnel into this because there's a lot of uh, you know, ballers there. You know, I would say North Texas is probably the most competitive, but it's also the, the most toxic. <laughs> yes. yes. No, no. I don't believe no. you, Juan. Haters are going to hate, right? <laughs> when, 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 when I became president of BKC, I went to go to ECNL showcase to meet other directors. Christian Labor is the ECNL president. Everybody's reaction was the same. Oh, I don't know how you're going to survive. I don't know how y'all do it. More than half the rules are written because of y'all. Because they're all, it's very, and I started realizing as I've, I'm starting to know these, these, uh, these clubs, we, we have six clubs or ECNL clubs. And we're we're like in a 15 mile radius. So as a parent, okay, I have the real estate. I have the, and it becomes a competition. We're in the back of each other's yard that we could play each other all the time. So that's good. That's why I don't think uh, other states they're separated. Florida, they might have one club here, but they have consistency. So to me, I think North Texas is the most competitive. I think you could probably put a, a national team, which is North Texas. Yeah, and we agree. <laughs> I was telling Roger one time that uh, we played an SG1 out of Houston, and the coach clearly stated, he said, I can't go to Houston. I can't go to San Antonio. I can't go to Austin. I got to go to DFW to play quality competitive teams. Yeah. That's the only place I can go where my teams are going to be challenged. Yeah. You know, they'll win or lose, but Wait. I got to go to North Texas. We, well, you're facing them at we, next year. Yeah, we are facing we, them next year. <laughs> we, we were in uh, in Yoss competitor, another co- tournament, DGIC, a couple weeks back. There was a club that came down from Minnesota in the tournament, and he came to watch one of our games, and it was our, I believe it was our U11 team. He was there. He was like, how old are these girls? They go, they're U11. He goes, Man, that's like you 14, you 15 level where we're at. Yeah. And then he said, We played um we played your, your 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 second team. And I said, that was our fourth team. And he goes, We lost six zero. They're like, oh my God. And I told him, iron sharpens iron. It's like players gravitate to better players, better coaching. And that's where it becomes. 
If you have a name, clubs are going to be like, we got to go get them. What, what has changed, though? Because I have my oldest. He's 23. He, he plays mm-hmm. ball in California. He's in college. When I remember him being eight, nine years old, 10 years old, and the speed has changed from when he was a kid 20 years ago to now. Like my eight-year-old is doing things three times what he was yeah, doing. Yeah. What has changed that you've seen that, that, is, that, that that's happening? It's because yeah. of genes. It's different moms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's got that Peruvian oh, man. That's what it is. <laughs> I'm sorry I had to say it. <laughs> you know, nowadays they come out of the womb and they're with the soccer ball. That's true. You yeah. know, wreck. Rec has died out. You know, Academy starting at five-year-olds. We're getting their pain. They're going to specialize training, speed and agility. It's all of that. I, I keep saying this all the time. Uh, those kids could do phenomenal things. I see them and I'm like, man, that was impressive. They pulled that out. That was impressive. But what I see actually when they get to the older age groups, they have zero IQ, zero decision-making. They're trying to take people on when there's three people open. They don't have a true understanding of the game because they didn't play pickup games to see what kind of player they're going to be. We grew up in Oak Cliff. Um, Sal, Gabe Adamas, Michael Bones, several coaches, uh, Lee Kunis, Max Martinez. I, I think there's so much talent of coaching that came from Oak Cliff. And we all say, how did we develop? We go to Keys Park, put two trash cans, and all we heard was that ping, ping. And it was nonstop playing basketball. How do you develop pickup, pickup games? You, you get creativity. Now, kids, I tell this all the time. Every team that's top 10 would have ran circles around my old ones when they were academy. But when they're 13, 14, 15s, they couldn't beat them because the chemistry and the responsibilities and understanding the game, understanding it's, 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 as I know, Roger grew up on baseball. My family, my wife's family grew up on baseball. I played a, a season. You know, there's a lot of thinking. Is the run on first? How many outs? What do you do when it goes there? Like, no, don't hit that. Hit it over there if a runner's rounding second corner why are you throwing it to the to the to end throw it to the third but if you're not in that situation and so i don't i don't think their decision making is very 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 poor i've seen it with 13s and 14s because they're not playing and and finding that creativity why is it certain clubs and i'm not gonna mention names but there's certain clubs that focus on 1v1s and we're doing 1v1s till the kid's 10 years old you know, and then you see him on the field and you've got a defender that's got the ball and he's taking all the way up to shoot, not passing. What is the mentality or the development behind that? Is, uh, are they waiting for them to get 11 v 11? What is that? You know, to me, I think uh, the foundation is is player and ball, technical. That's You got to get technically sound. Uh, 1v1s is ball and player. He goes, but I feel that, I mean, with social media, I see so many videos it's a lot of player and ball and head down. I get those players sometimes come out and they have no vision. You know, they have no vision and because they're trying to, I had one time, one player came out to a tryout. We, we, we restarted the play in the game because I teach my players, if you can't go forward, 
swing it back around. This player had 20 yards of space. In, in a scrimmage, we're playing 5v5. Starts doing all these. I'm like, what the heck? We're playing 5v5. There's nobody on there. So I always tell people, be confident. Take people on. 1v1. It's simple. Change the speed and change the direction. Master those. Then create your go-to moves and your creativity. But as these players, I feel that a lot of it done is done for the business, for the marketing. Bring in, look what, what we're producing. And people that might not play soccer, I'm not bashing anybody because you do need to be creative and you do need to. But you have to be very, very uh, diverse. You know, you have to learn multiple styles. You got to understand the game. The game is not 1v1. The game's 11v11. There's a lot of 1v1 situations. You have to recognize where you're at the field. You can't take people one-on-one at U11 inside your box. Like, it becomes teaching the movement off the ball. A lot of That doesn't sell. That doesn't bring customers. You know, that right there actually t- loses because you're going to lose games. If you're trying to work as a team, you're going to lose games. But then you're going to get better and better and better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we need to start wrapping it up, but you just gave me an idea. We need to form like a, a whole table because we need to talk about the toxic community that North Texas is, right? Mm-hmm. That you mentioned. It's, it's, it's toxic, right? And I say that because you're right, man. You know, earlier we were talking, you know, before we started, if, if the whole stereotyping thing, right? It's a whole, we need to have like you and other coaches, you know, and just have a big old table because it's, it, it just upsetting sometimes, you know, you, you talking, you mentioned diversity a lot during right now. And from when he's saying his son is 23 years old to his eight year, it's soccer, youth soccer has outpaced, is outdoing baseball, youth baseball, peewee football, yep. basketball, yep. everything. That and lacrosse right now, soccer. Yep. And those happen to be two of the most expensive sports to play in, you know? So where, where my thing is like, I mean, cause like with me, man, when we first broke into this, this soccer space, boy, being called thugs, drug dealers, mm. I got it all. I mean, is it because of my tattoos? Do I have a drug dealer face? Do I have a, you know, is my mugshot like that? It's kind of like, why, why that way? But you just gave me an idea for us to talk about that. I mean, you know, I just wish we can have more time to, really dive into that because I'm sure you have some stories and I'm sure there's other coaches have, and I'm the last person. If you know me, I'm going to bring out, I'm going to be the last person to bring that card out. But I'm being honest with you, North Texas, (laughs) you know, that uh, y'all are brutal, very brutal. Uh, But I appreciate you coming in, man. And to clear it out, once again, the coaches that left DKSC, there's no bad blood. There was nothing ever going on. There was no fight. It was just, you know, for them to better opportunities. Yeah. And that's what we all do. Athletes, business, what? companies, because the, the rumors that are going out there, you know, it's like, is Martinez running a bad system now? Is he favoritism? Is he showing favoritism to his boys that he grew up with in his neighborhood? Uh, because that's you, you see yeah. it on the post. You see it. You hear the talk. So I'm glad you yeah. came and cleared that up. No, to me, it's it's all the coaches get that every year. You play your favorites on a team. They're like, no, I don't. You're going to get that. 
you're going to get everybody's. But like I mentioned before, which coach is coaching NL today? I have coaches that have been with the club 10, 11, 12 years. Those coaches actually say, it's like, I feel because people are saying that you're holding us back. And I would like, be careful for that, that office. So that, but as far as like a team, there's always going to be conflict. So I don't want you. Oh, there's no conflict at the end. I was making the decisions. They wanted to make the decisions. I wasn't going to let that happen. And then it becomes, Oh, I got this opportunity. And as soon as, one position opens, and right now so much shuffling is happening. I have so many coaches that I'm about to get fired. Nobody's really talking about that. But with DKC, oh, my God, he lose five or six. It's, let's, let's go after him. FC Dallas loses 20. Solar uses Sting, BBB. But DKC, that Hispanic president must be doing something wrong. Oh. <laughs> this is no red cards yep. podcast episode two we want to thank uh one coach juan uh, martinez for coming on 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 episode two coach really quick let everybody know uh out there how they can find dkc for upcoming uh tryouts and yes. so forth let them know the website and and uh, more information yeah, on our that. website is uh dkscclub.com um and we're on instagram uh twitter uh facebook um, so we were, we just released our slate for the boys, um, here in the next couple of days, we're going to do it for the girls, uh, boys trials start May 1st, uh, girls trials start May 15th. Um, so I would just say, you know, thank you for having me. And, and, um, uh, I think, uh, this platform is good to get the rumors out there because fear is driving a lot of parents decisions. I would just educate the parents to. Do your due diligence. Ask questions. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate it, Juan. And uh, No Red Cards Podcast, episode number two. Make sure you follow us, Instagram, Facebook, at No Red Cards 10. And you can also follow us on YouTube, No Red Cards Podcast. Once again, thank you. And like always, man, I'm always going to hit you up. And you know you can count on me and anything I can help. And uh, we'll see y'all for uh, episode three. Peace.